This is Atolio Conversations. I'm Luke Alley. Andrew Sopko is the head of IT at Twitter. He and I talk about his background as an artist, how he translated that creative process into IT, and we also touch on how he incorporates broad company values into everyday decisions. And so with that, over to my conversation with Andrew. Andrew, thank you so much for talking with me today. Hey, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. So I I listened to another interview of yours where you talked about your background in art. But yeah, do you do you mind if we we start by uh, kind of talking a little bit about your work? Yeah, it's funny. I've evolved over time or I had I actually began in art just doing uh, ceramics primarily. I was I was very much into and this is probably not too much of a surprise considering the the relative comparison or the similarity with IT in in terms of the process being so inherent to the creation aspect. I think that that's how I draw a relationship or have, even if it's just, you know, a justification post fact in my mind. But when I think back to my art career, I, I began in ceramics because of my just, I really got into the, that, that process part of it. The, you know, there are certain and specific steps that you have to go through to begin that work. And so that kind of carried me through. And in my transition, I went from, from doing pottery and clay work and sculpture began then when I went into university focusing on printmaking from a similar perspective for a similar reason. I just really loved the, the fact that you had to kind of create the assembly around it, that it was as much a part of the act as it was the result. And that part of that result came from what took place during the act of or the preparation of. And so there was always this, this piece of, and what I've kind of kept in a a critical part of my work over time is the relationship between what the original intention was and then what the outcome is and how the, the further that you separate yourself from the work or the materials through almost like a creation of process uh, stretches those bounds of, do you really know what the outcome is going to be? So for me, it was always this love of the the incorporation of the unknown through the extreme intentionality of a very specific process. And so when I moved to printmaking and then later years moved on to painting, a lot of my work was about uh, creating something that is figurative but abstract, but there is you see that sort of push-pull between you know, what was the original intent versus what was the result? Yeah, I think that's something that's actually really underappreciated about art from the outside world, you know, is that is that balance of the the really rigorous process and the kind of strict process with the room for discovery, right? And I used to develop film, which, you know, is a very technical process, uh, but I really enjoyed the act of, of not putting value judgments on things when, when things didn't go according to plan. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that's great that you kind of found a way to translate that appreciation for that, that balanced process, uh, in your, in your career. Oh yeah. I think that that was one of the first realizations I had because candidly speaking, and this is sort of funny little history, 
the only reason I got into IT originally is because I was broke. I ran out of money. I was trying to go to get my MFA and I had been spending so much time on my portfolio that I realized, wow, I, I need to make some money here. And so I began then working in IT primarily as just a way to, to stay afloat while my hope was I would be then going to, to get my MFA somewhere. That did not work out. I didn't get accepted to the programs I had wanted to go to. And so the next thing I knew, I was working an IT job, building and fixing computers and thinking to myself, oh, there's a similarity here. There's something like this process and this work and like kind of how I think about, again, that intentional outcome there is a creative aspect to IT work. And I, and I think that that's where I really kind of got engaged. And, and from there, just kept going in that, in that direction and finding new avenues along the way. So in the same way that I started at the desktop support level and really hands-on computer fixing and such, then migrated into the application space and found that that relationship again from how do you build applications and how do you think about an architecture of a system and the landscape, a data model, and all of those things as part of a creative process. That's so interesting. And and like that's what it's all about, right? Is is translating those things that make your brain feel good, yes. right? Yes. You know? Uh, and I, I think it's funny because nobody like sets out or like is asked as a kid while they're growing up, like, what do you want to be when you grow up, right? And the, the answer is never specifically like in information technology, right? Like yeah. you find it by your own process of discovery, like kind yeah. of like the whole creative process, right? Oh, totally. And I think that it's it's interesting too, because you start to realize uh, there are people of a certain kind. You know, we, we joke sometimes in, on the team about there, you have to be willing to uh, take criticism. You have to be willing or at least understand that you're not going to achieve or receive all of the accolades all of the time but it is the it's the the notion that you're you're focused on the quality of the work on the outcomes that you're trying to achieve and you know it doesn't mean that you're going to um, necessarily end up in a space where everybody knows and is, is telling you how great everything is um, but it's the it's the love of that creation. It's the love of the work and the pride in what you do, and all of these things kind of come together and converge into that type of personality that can be an IT professional. And you're absolutely right. I don't think that it's possible. You know, I, I think back to when I was in high school or younger. You're not. It's not necessarily possible that you're at that point saying I'm going to be an application, an IT enterprise application engineer when I grow up. You know, that's just it's not even within your lexicon, let alone like conceptually something that you can even imagine. Yeah, a hundred percent. So, so going back to that intersection of the creative process and IT, you know, I feel like that kind of thing occurs in a very primarily in a very mature IT department. You know, not one that's seen as just being a department that comes in to put out fires, right? One that's seen as being or like a real value add. And one of those kind of value adds that I was interested in talking to you about is around employee experience, which is obviously like a very broad and in some ways kind of squishy topic, but you know, maybe we can just start by talking about how the perception of what role IT should play in Twitter's broader employee experience, like how that has changed over the course of your time there. 
Yeah. You know, one thing I think that is, uh, and this is this is a sort of half answer to your question, but one thing I think that is great uh, is that the the internal culture at Twitter is a positive place to operate within, and I think that that helps a tremendous amount because while there is a focus on internally across the board, not just within IT, a focus on things like transparency and collaboration and you know an openness of dialogue. Um, that can kind of cut both ways sometimes, obviously, in, in terms of the, the challenge to a decision or a direction for an organization, especially one that is so visible as an IT org. But I give that backdrop as, to, as a way to say, in the time that I've been here, before I was responsible for all of IT, and then as I took, took uh, full responsibility, there has been some constants. And some of those constants are uh, that we really try to build upon are having a customer focus, um, trying to make sure that we think about, as you mentioned, uh, creating value wherever possible, and then thinking about that sort of navigation of how do we enable, whether it's a specific function or the broader range of Twitter employees, how do we focus on making sure that we understand what their goals are and what they're trying to achieve or the type of experiences that they're trying to create themselves. So, whether or not we're focused on, say, the solving the uh, challenge of, of customer support for Twitter users or for uh, closing the books with our finance teams or more broadly, what is collaboration at Twitter, we think about it in a very similar way of almost like trying to navigate um, vertically where we say, at the 30,000 foot level, it is, we say things like customer focus and value, and we want to create these experiences. And as you kind of dip down to that next level, we think, okay, well, how do we, how do we parse that and parse that in a way where we can actually attack a topic or an issue or a problem. And so for me, a lot of that is figuring out, well, what are the specific workflows or the specific experiences. And so that might be, say, what is the new hire experience like? What is the help desk experience like? What about the uh, experience of starting or, or entering into a meeting or a connected system to, if I'm in one application or one tool, how does it relate to others? And think about it from that workflow or that that specific experience at that mid level, and then would then we're able to take it down into the nitty gritty details, sort of the, the on the ground where we look at truly. If I click this button here, what happens? What do I do next? Is it obvious? Is it clear? Um, what's the interaction and that specific example like? And that allows us to do more individual testing. Uh, we do a lot of reviews specifically. I ask a ton of questions when we get to that point as we're kind of, you know, we've, we've worked through a project, we're at that sort of finish line or at that goal line, and we still do a last check where folks like me who probably have no business coming in uh, on the top at the last minute and asking a bunch of questions, we still do that as a way to challenge one another and make sure, are we thinking about those specific details? And that is something that, that is probably the, the what has remained the same is the customer focus. What has changed is trying to figure out how do we navigate that vertical uh, and connect both the teams on the ground who are doing the work and the executing, but where does that fit into the broader experience that we're trying to create so that the perception of IT 
is more based on value. And that is such a difficult task because as you probably know, and this is, this is, you know, a cliche at this point, most people notice when something goes wrong. Most people notice when this didn't work as expected, or why is, why is this the way that it is? Um, and so we'll tolerate that. We can tolerate that as long as it stays to a, a hushed murmur, as opposed to being something that is a larger noise signal of noise, we end up taking solace in the fact we've created positive experiences if we're not hearing too much about them. That kind of comes back to what I was saying about the, the type of person or personality that can be successful in IT as somebody who's okay with that. But that's that's kind of, you know, from a philosophical to an actual perspective, that's that's how we like to operate. Got it. So very like partner driven face to face with the internal customer, so to speak. Absolutely. I think that if we don't have working agreements in place, if we don't have a shared understanding of, you know, we don't, we, uh, this, this I think is, has been a very big shift over the last probably 20 years in IT. We are the opposite of an IT org that says, just give us the problem and get out of the way. Right. We, we can't operate in that way though. The world has changed too much. People know too much, right. They have a better technical understanding. They ask a lot more in-depth and knowledgeable questions. And that allows us to say, and, and hit that head on and say, okay, cool. We're going to do this with you. So how let's establish with a working agreement at what point does IT stop and the business start? So I'm a big fan of saying each of the, our business partners, the biz, those teams, they should have their own technical teams as well. They may not be classic engineering teams. They may not be as technical as our IT groups, but hopefully it's like we build up to the 80% and then that enables them to go the next 20% where it's maybe more intimately connected to the business problems that they're trying to solve for or the way that they need to operate in some way. It gives them that flexibility. They are not necessarily slowed down by our IT teams in any way, but we're supporting them and focused on the governance and the the sort of centrality of systems and the ability to scale and the things that enable them, they don't have to worry about those things. They don't. They can just operate in their day to day, as if it's not even a, a care in the world. So, I guess the last question I have for you is around those relationships you have with your internal customers and how you interpret what they're asking for versus what you actually yes. believe that they kind of need, right? I think that 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 comes down to again, it's another classic problem, and I think that first and foremost, it's about trying to separate the the proposed solution from the actual problem. First and foremost, I think that oftentimes, again, maybe more so today than twenty or thirty years ago, we have a, have a really knowledgeable group of customers who oftentimes are exposed to the same. Uh, marketing that we are in IT, right? They see the tools and solutions out there. They're advertised on public radio. They're in they're in pop-up windows and or ads on the side of your email. And so the first challenge is how do we work with somebody who instead of saying, hey, here's the problem we're trying to solve, comes and says, I want you to implement this solution. Um, because I think that first sort of step back and the goal for us is how do we abstract that somewhat so that we can then say, hey, this looks like an awesome solution. However, can we first talk about what are we trying to solve for here? 
that to me is step one is trying to get out of the mindset of assuming that there that this is the and only the solution that we want today. So trying to build that trust with the, the customer or the partner in this case for us is about taking that step back. And a lot of that then begins in my mind, at least the, the most successful way that we've found is um, creating trust that enables us to ask a bunch of questions. And so having the, the opportunity to almost interview in the same way that you and I are talking here to um, really focus with somebody and, and ask them, wait, are you trying to do this? Is this the type of, of process you're trying to build? Well, what happens here? Uh, and then just really trying to get that person or the team to open up and talk about what are we, what are we shooting for here? What's the goal that we're trying to achieve? And making sure that they understand we have the same goal. We want to make sure that that we're helping you solve a problem. But what we don't want to do is, you know, sort of do that, pat them on the head and say, oh, isn't this cute? Um, let let the professionals step in and, and start to solve this problem. But really, we want to say, totally understand, this is crazy that, that, that you have to work this way today. Build that trusted with through empathy and then hopefully enable a dialogue that helps us piece it apart. That then will stop us from saying things like, that won't scale, or that's not going to work. Because I think that those are those turnoff moments where it's the equivalent of starting with, no, this is, this is bad, as opposed to saying, yes, totally, got you. I understand what you're saying here. But while we're, we're talking about this, let me also share with you some of the things that we have to consider while we're looking at this solution. So it becomes more of a dialogue about where, where are we trying to go, you know, collectively, as opposed to just saying like, you know, the, the, like the IT person skits that we've all seen where there's just that sort of assumed arrogance about them. Like that's, that's one thing that, that we really try to focus on as much as possible. And I think that the best way for us to be successful, or at least how we've been successful so far is even in some of just the core of how do we construct our teams and how do we make sure that we're all aligned along the same sort of guidelines or philosophies in some respects. And best articulated, we we had an engineering manager on the team and this story was just recounted to me recently that uh, when he was hiring folks, he was talking to this, this person in an interview and uh, the candidates made a comment about how Boy, everybody I've talked to is really great. They all seem they're asking great questions. They're really collaborative. And the engineering manager, straight faced, dead eyed, looked at him and said, "Hey, uh, Jack, we don't uh, we don't hire assholes here." And and to me, that was that that was when I heard that story. I was like, "It's so true. That is a focus for us." And to me, I connect that to your question of like, how do we sort of piece that apart? That's the core, right? We got to start with the type of person who is empathetic, who's understanding, who really tries to think about what problem are we attacking here? And it's not the person, it's the problem that we need to focus on. Well, you know, it's awesome to hear that, you know, there's still a focus of of kind of these squishier ideas around empathy and everything in a, in a department that doesn't in it there, which it doesn't always traditionally have yeah. that kind of focus. And, you know, obviously it seems like the success of someone like yourself with a very non-traditional background really speaks to that, that value. And that, that's really great to see. That's great. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, Andrew, thank you so much for coming on. Really appreciate it. Hey, happy to. 
Thanks to Andrew for the conversation. Thanks to Tom Tierney for the music. And thanks to you for listening. Please make sure to follow Otolio on LinkedIn, and we'll see you again in two weeks.